Welcome back to Bash University Live, everybody. Uh, I want to give a, a, another big thank you for Tiger Hoffman uh, with Gills Gear and, and all the amazing stuff. I want you guys to go check that out. Get your discount for being a Bash U subscriber. And, um, man, what, what a great conversation. What a great guy. He's an inspiration. And we've got another really super talented angler uh, that's joining us. I see him on the queue up there. He's fresh off tour on the MLF, and we're super excited to have him with us. We're going to be talking about current, uh, but we've got Zach Burge with us tonight. Welcome, Zach. That's, I appreciate it. <laughs> Man, it's, it's it's good to have you. Where where are you? Are you home? Are you out on tour? Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually home. Uh, this is the first time I've been home and uh, since like the end of May, so... It's nice to be here. It was an unexpected visit home, but I had to get a lot of stuff done, so I just drove home and took care of it and uh, fixing to leave to head back to Detroit. What uh, Detroit is, oh, that's going to be the Lake St. Clair uh, shootout, man. That's going to be an amazing tournament. Uh, man, That that's going to be on fire. I mean, as much as the Thousand Islands has been in the news lately, St. Clair is going to just crush it. I can't, can't wait to see. They're bigger on St. Clair. I hope it's good. I haven't, I haven't been there in a little while, but I'm excited to get back. Every time we've been, it's been a been a blast. I know. I I've never seen has MLF uh, with the Every Fish Counts uh, tournament style. Has it ever been on St. Clair? Not that I'm aware of. Me either. It's always been like a, a top five shootout, biggest five. I yeah. can't I can't imagine. There's a bazillion fish in that lake i can't imagine how how big the 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 final weights are going to be yeah it ought, it ought to be good uh, you know I, i've always kind of well i've had a couple really good days there with big fish but i've kind of struggled to stay on the better quality to win one of those five fish deals i've had a good day than a mediocre day um, but usually i catch a ton of fish so i'm excited to go for this format and uh, you know, see how many we can catch in a day. I, I can't wait. I, I know I fished a couple derbies there, and you you get around them, and they're everywhere. Like, they're just everywhere. It's like the bottom comes alive, but they're like, you know, two-pounders. And you leave, you're like, wow, these, these aren't going to win the tournament. But uh, for your tournament, man, you just get just stay and, and catch them for hours. It, it, I yep. can't imagine. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. It should be. Yep. Well, you speaking of uh, having a good tournament, you just came off a great tournament up at the Mississippi River, uh, and I imagine you were fishing in some current in that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we fished in some current. It it was actually the least amount of current I've ever seen there no during the tournament um, that I've been there for. Uh, the water was really low. The water was barely moving, um, which is kind of out of the ordinary, but. You know, it's still, it's a river, everything's current related, and we, we made the best of it. I really thought, I really thought we had that one at the end of the last day, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys caught really good bags and, you know, pulled it out. Well, you you did really well on, on one of BTC's favorite baits, one of the Guggen uh, fluke-style baits. Uh, is, is, that, is, that the, is that the bait you were using? Yeah, uh, yeah, the dart, I was... I was mixing it in with uh, a couple other baits. The starting place I had, it's, um, you know, it's an area I've caught a bunch of fish before. It's it's a place that's just outside of the current. It's it's almost like the tailing edge of an island. 
Um, so fish are really close to current. They're really close to the main river, but they can tuck in a pocket. They've got grass mats. Um, there's a little wing dam that runs through there. So they've really got everything they need. And there's a big population of fish that lives around there. But I went through it in practice, didn't really get many bites. I kind of got bummed out. And um, the last day of practice, I went through it one more time and I found them way out in a whole different area, uh, kind of towards the very end of the, the island that I was fishing in one little spot. And I caught them like every, every cast. Um, and I just kind of learned how to catch them throughout the tournament better and better. And um, I rotated through a bunch of baits, some topwater baits, the dart, and you know, I, it was, at times it was every cast. Wow. Problem was catching better quality. So I would come and go, come and go. And every now and then I would catch a better one. Well, I think it's pretty cool. That style of bait, it, it was, it's been so, it's so popular, right? It's one of the, the classic, uh, you know, minnow style baits. And you just don't see it play at top level tournaments that often. Uh, so it's, it was kind of cool to see you, you know, make good use of it. Yeah, it was, it was odd. It wasn't, it wasn't what I would initially have thought I'd be doing when I went there. Um, and I, like I said, I went through it first day of practice and never got a bite. And I got a little bummed and, you know, of course I went through it frogging and pitching around at some stuff and got bummed out, came back through it. And, you know, they were, they were eating small bait in this particular area. So I, I threw a little small topwater bait and I caught a good one. And then it led me to throw, you know, the dark style bait. And I was, it was just every cast at times. It was so much fun. And, and like you just said, it's kind of something that people don't really, necessarily think to throw right off the top of their head and that's that's the reason you know it's just another reason why i picked it up to throw it uh, yeah right what's what the other guys aren't using but one of the things that i wanted to ask you about and i think i saw it in the photograph but what's your rigging for that because a lot of times that's it's hard to get 100 percent strike to catch because of the current the wind the you know getting good hookups with the fish how, how are you rigging it for that tournament uh, my, my particular setup was uh, my signature series favorite rod. It's a 7-1 seven, uh, seven rod, 15-pound um, braid straight, Yosari braid, um, and then a 5-aught five, a five wide gap hook, um, and then the, the dart on top of it. It's, it's usually how I always throw it, whether it's like a trick worm style bait or the dart or something like that. It's in my opinion, I get a better hookup ratio. I can throw it a mile on a spinning rod, still get a good hook set and uh, get those fish in the boat. And I don't really have to worry about a leader popping or, you know, eight or 10 pound test breaking. The water in the river wasn't super, super clean. So I wasn't worried about them shying off of it. Plus 15 pound braids, tiny. Yeah. Uh, can you dive into that, Zach? Like go, go deep with our guys here because you just, you're talking about a soft plastic jerk bait, right? Yep. So uh, for a lot of people, that is not a good hookup ratio. It's not a good efficient bait, whether they're rigging it. I mean, there's tons of ways to rig it. Can you talk to us how you were rigging it, what your setup was like and why it was so efficient for you? So for me, I don't know. Y'all probably know Kurt Mitchell. He's a good buddy of mine. Him and I were talking quite a bit about it throughout the tournament. He was catching smallmouth on a couple wing dams that were right down for me. I was catching pretty much all largemouth. Hmm. Um, he didn't throw the fluke or dart the first day, and I was, and I caught a bunch. So I, I told him, 
And I said, try it down there and see if you can get some bites. And, and he did, and he got a lot of bites, but he was rigging it with the rivet style treble hook, you know, mm -hmm. underneath. And he was losing some fish. He, I think he said he lost like 10 fish a day doing wow. it, which I've never really heard it to be that bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, but it's not something that I've done a whole lot to have a lot of confidence to rig it like that and use it that way. But I've always just used a four or five wide gap hook with that soft plastic style bait with straight braid. Um, the reason is even with, and also use a, a heavier wire hook. So something like um, the owner wide gap hook is pretty stout. The Gamagatsu Superline hook is pretty stout. Those are two that I use a lot. And even on a long cast with a spinning rod that's got a little bit of power, you can still drive a hook good on straight braid. So that's mm -hmm. why that's why I use it. Um, number one, it's because I can cast it so far to schooling fish or things like that. I may just, you know, see one bust a way off and just pick up a rod and fire it over to them. And I have a better percentage of making an accurate cast with it, getting the cast in distance and getting a hookup um, on that fish. But this particular place oh. I was at, I was, I knew pretty much where they set up every day. So I would pull up, pull down and just fan cast around till I found them. And then I'd make the same cast over and over. And I was, I was trying not to get too close to them because it was only two or three foot. Um, where they were sitting at was actually a small, hole it was kind of a trough that ran through there and they were just loaded up in it and uh, you know I was probably 35 40 yards from it um, I tried to not get too close to really push them out of there or mess with them so Zach it, once you once you found the once you figured out where they were at you said you were power pulled down and you started to make that repetitive cast are you literally just casting at the same spot over and over and over and over? And why is that a current seam? Is it an eddy? Is it a block? Like what, what, what sets those fish up in that place? Once you found them, I wish I could draw a picture. Um, so if you could imagine there being a small shallow bay, just adjacent to the main river channel that in the water level being normal, um, which I think is like seven foot, six or seven foot. There's usually a lot more fish in there. This particular time, the water was like four foot, four and a half foot. So the water was down lower. There wasn't near as much water in there where they normally are. So they had pulled out to the outside edge of the grass and they were down on the tail end of the island, which is where two current seams come together. But what, what was so perfect about it was the two current seams came together. There was also an underwater jetty, wing dam, whatever you want to call it, that, that came all the way across that area. Well, right where the tailing edge of the island came down and that underwater jetty met, there was basically like a foot trough and a little like chute. Well, that let a little bit more water flow through it. It also gave bait fish a better place to travel through. And those fish would, there was, so there was a main grass line that came straight off the tail of the island. And then there was isolated patches of grass all around it. In that trough, just below it, there was two or three patches of grass. And I literally would throw on the up current side of that trough 
five or six casts in a row and I, I'd either catch some or I wouldn't, or I would hit the bottom side around those clumps. And uh, it was either, they were either on that grass clumps or they were on the upstream side of it every time. And I just had to, you know, rotate between the two to get them to bite. And every now and then I would fire out to the outside further across the shallower part of the rocks to get bit. Um, but that's, that's pretty much where they were every day. Wow. And so this, do you feel like uh, it replenished? Do, do you feel like that area just kept replenishing because of the moving water, bringing fish in, bringing bait in? Yeah. Yeah. And that particular area had a lot of bait fish. I saw that the first day of practice. So I knew there would be um, a good number of bait around every day. The good thing about rivers are most of the time they seem to replenish day to day. Um, so once I figured out how to catch them, I knew that I could probably catch them for, you know, a good bit of the day and come back the following and still get bites. I didn't know, you know, if there was anybody else running through them on the following day or the days I weren't fishing, but you know, the, the Mississippi river up there, especially it has just an absurd amount of fish in it. <laughs> And it just, it doesn't ever seem like you really run out of fish unless you find one small grass clump somewhere in a backwater that has, you know, you get three or four bites in that, that kind of place might run out or a little stretch of cut bank that you might fish and get a few bites one day, you might come back the next day and not get bit. But this area is, it's always been somewhere I can come to day after day after day and get multiple bites. Mm -hmm. Zach, I, I want to nitpick you really quick on the back to the rigging thing. Wide gap hook, four off, five off. You're going super line style for the weight, which is a great tip. Are you are you tucking the hook point back into the plastic? Because I, I feel like that matters sometimes. And I, I don't know which way you go. I know some people are opinionated about that. Do you, do you have a hard opinion on it? I 90% of the time do not tuck it back in. Mm. The only mm. time I will is if I'm throwing that style bait or um, finesse worm style bait weightless around cover to where when I twitch it, it may, you know, go into a branch or something. That's mm -hmm. the only time I will tuck it in. If it's around grass or something, I usually go ahead and leave it out and just yeah. take my chances on it catching, a, you know, a, a strand of grass or something. But 90% of the time I leave it out. And uh, I just, I've, I've lost a few fish at times because my hook hasn't come out or you try to tuck it in. And for whatever reason, it, it wads up, doesn't, doesn't get the fish hooked up good. So I leave it out most of the time. That's, that's a great tip. And I, I want to, Sorry, guys. I'm going to take a moment to be analytical and learn my own lesson here. Go, I throw go, 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 go. <laughs> but, uh, Zach, you said Kurt was doing a pop rivet thing with the treble, which I do a lot. But was he fishing kind of similar depth range as you? You were talking two to five feet. Is that what he was doing too? Yeah, yeah, real similar. So there's there was one that was – it'd be the next wing damn down from where I was, and he was he was catching all smallmouth. And I actually fished it the last day. He, uh, unfortunately, he didn't make the final day. So when I knew he wouldn't be there, I went ahead and made a lap around. And I caught like a two and a half pound smallmouth off of it. Um, you know, but I, I was using, I was using the rigging that I'm comfortable with. And I drove that hook right through his head like it was nothing. <laughs> well, he, he lost a few, but I don't know, you know, I'm not sure why. He just, well, he did, just, did you, I, you were catching mainly largemouth. 
Did you did you lose any smallmouth? Was it a smallmouth thing where they were biting it funny? And the reason why we're I I really like JK diving in here because I'm diving in here because I love fishing a fluke for smallmouth and I'm about to do it at the open. And the, the rigging is 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 interesting to me because that pop rivet treble hook des- rigging is designed to land more fish. Right. Well, about that, Pete. I think the, my biggest lesson that I just put together is if you're in shallower water, I think Zach, Zach's might be the, the better deal. If you're in more, once it starts to get a little deeper, I've always found that schooling fish that are coming up, that are in cleaner water and they're coming, they're, they're willing to travel 10 to 20 feet up at, at that, it seems like the pop rivet's 100%. But I have messed around with it in shallower water, and I've lost fish. And so now it's like I'm coming full circle that maybe, maybe, I can't say for sure, but maybe that's the uh, the lesson there for which rigging is better when. We're all confused now. Okay. <laughs> no. That, but... my world. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I, I learned something if you guys didn't, you know, whatever, but I did. <laughs> Zach, Zach, I got a question for you. So what ounce are you usually throwing when you're sitting there when you're, cause you know, I fish a lot of tidal where in our thing is, is like, you know, if it's an out outgoing tide, we're looking anywhere between a foot to two foot drop where those red fish or snook will be sitting there right at that drop. And as soon as that, <clears throat> that goes from like, three feet, maybe down to four feet on the outgoing tide, they're going to be sitting right there waiting for all the bait. So I'll throw like a Z-Man diesel on maybe a chatter or maybe on like a quarter ounce. What ounce do you usually throw? Does it depend on the water? depends on the clarity? So if we go back to the Mississippi River, that when I was throwing that dark style bait, it was weightless. Um, but it was so shallow, those fish were mostly coming up to the top and busting on bait when I would see them. So I knew that they would come up and eat. Plus, it was so shallow, I didn't really think it mattered. Now, when we would, when I would leave that and go down and go into some of the backwaters that had some current running through it, I was throwing um, uh, a bladed jig most of the time. And it, but it was also like, you know, cut banks that were, I was looking for the deeper ones. And it would be anywhere from three to eight foot right on the bank. But most of the fish that I caught were current related. So they would tuck in right behind a grass clump that was overhanging. And I would, I was literally just going through there making pitches 10 yards in front of the boat behind a grass clump or in front of a grass clump. And it was usually the second or third time I turned the handle, I'd get bit. Um, so I don't necessarily think the weight made a difference then because it was so fast and they were eating it right up on the top. Like the biggest fish I caught in the tournament, I watched her, I pitched it right up to the cut bank. As soon as I moved it, she came up to the top and boiled on it, caught her. And then I proceeded to catch a bunch more that day on it. But going back last year when we were there, I was flipping the cut banks and they wanted it. They wanted a fast fall. They wouldn't touch it if you pitched a quarter, five sixteenths weight up to it. And that's what I normally throw. It had to be a half to three quarter. Three quarter was better. They wanted something that just blew right by them and they would react to it better. Um, so it's, it's not, for me, it's not necessarily what 
I would do most of the time, but like you kind of got to keep them honest with opinions, you know, with options during practice. Uh, last year, I found them to like the heavier weight better. This year, they liked the lighter weight better, but they were also eating the plated jig style bait on the surface pretty much. That's why we pre-fish all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right. You can't get enough information. And, and we're, we're, we're re- the, the current, it's funny, you said, you know, rivers always seem to replenish. We happen to fish next to a river that never replenishes. Uh, the, the Delaware, the Delaware, it's like once every month a fish will replenish to the same spot, but, it, but it's amazing a place like the Mississippi that's so full of fish and where you're going to St. Clair are so full of fish, but we're, we're talking about current, uh, stuff and, you know, Zach, where, where did you learn how to fish current? Where did, uh, you know, it, is there bodies of water close to you that, uh, really dialed you in on how fish relate to current? Um, so I grew up in Arkansas and I, we were, we lived probably 10 minutes from the Arkansas river. Mm. So there was about three different boat ramps that we could be to within 10 or 15 minutes from the house. And we, we lived on the river, uh, on the weekends after school, we were out there fishing, whether it's bass fishing, striper fishing, whatever, uh, we were out there. So that, and we lived in Arkansas for about 13 years before I moved to Oklahoma. So I got a pretty good amount of knowledge from that. And then moving to Oklahoma, we also have Kerr and Three Forks, which is on the Arkansas River as well. So I learned, you know, even more um, up here fishing that stuff. So when we go to places like the Mississippi River or, you know, even I can kind of relate it a little bit to Potomac and smallmouth places up here like Detroit, where we'll have some strong current in the rivers, St. Lawrence. There's things that you learn from fishing, even rivers down here that you can relate to places like that, um, which I think helps give you a slight advantage over people that may have not have grown up on one or, or been able to spend that much time on a place like that. Man, I, I agree. I grew up on rivers too. I love fishing around current. You're talking to a guy that's just, you know, doesn't know anything about. What do you think the most important thing uh, that you would tell somebody that's trying to f- learn how to fish current? Learn how to read water visually. Visually, see the seams and the eddies. Yep. Watching so what? Current. Watching so current seams, eddies, underwater structures that you know create a seam or boil or something like that, or underwater jetties being able to see that and know what's there quickly versus, you know, people that don't have experience. There was a few guys at Mississippi river last week that straight up lost lower units because they didn't know what to look for. You know, they just blew right through it. And, uh, it's not, we shouldn't be laughing at guys losing their lower units guys. Look, it is not. Trust me. I get it. You don't have to laugh at, but at the same time, you if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> but my question for you is that, what are some of the specific things that you look on the water surface? So if it's like a, someone that's going to be fishing it like brand new, or they're getting into it, what is it that they're looking for on the water surface? Either it may be like a certain movement, a certain tidal flow, a certain little wake, a certain ripple. What is it that they, that they should be looking for when you're doing that? I mean, when you're on the water, say you're driving a boat, you're going upstream, downstream, you can see visually mm-hmm. 
there's differences in the way the water ripples, the way the water flows, you'll get backflow, current seams that come around points and things like that. Anything that breaks a current will create a seam or an eddy. Um, underwater structures create what looks like bulls, basically what looks like the back of a dam. If you've ever seen the back of a dam, it's the same mm -hmm. typical uh, visual site. And when I'm fishing it, you know, in, in, fish aren't just gonna sit out in the current and just swim nonstop. They're gonna look for anything they can tuck in behind whether it's a stump, a tree, one rock, a boulder, smallmouth love boulders, um, anything that creates a break, fish will typically use. And, uh, you know, when you have, it seems like the more current you have, the better that plays um, from my experience. So that's what I normally look for. It's really not overcomplicated. I think a lot of people tend to overcomplicate it. Um, but again, I grew up on a river, so things click a little bit quicker, I think. Riz, All right, we... so oh, go, sorry, Pete. Go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna send it over to Riz because I know we've got some IMs that are starting to pile up. Yeah, we, we do, Pete. There's a, a lot of great interaction from our subscribers. And um Zach, right there at the end of what you were saying there, um, you, you kind of hit home on something though that Current and fishing rivers, it seems like a lot of people can kind of overcomplicate it, especially when you put a tide into the situation. But generally, I feel like fishing current or a tide, if it looks like there should be a fish there, at some point there's probably going to be a fish there, you know, yeah. because it's it's out of the it's out of the current. It's it just sets up well. But um, so guys, uh, as always, we're going to bring in some questions here from our Bashu TV subscribers. If you're not a member, now's a great time to get signed up. Just head over to www.bashu.tv.com. Um, and the first question I'm going to go with is from Grattan Fishing, and Grattan Fishing wants to know, what direction do you position your boat when you're fishing current, especially around grass? And Grattan, for this question, you are going to get yourself a $50 gift certificate to Gills Gear. Whoa. My man, 50. hook it up. So he wants to know, how do you position your boat when you're fishing in that current? Most of the time, I'm fishing current. I like to fish into the current. Um, the only time I really don't really care is if there's like a grass mat or something and I'm frogging and I'm kind of just going with the current throwing across it um, or fishing right on the edge but if I'm going up like a cut bank or something I like to go up current I like to kind of tuck in behind seams and go around a tree to the next one or go around a little notch to the next seam and fish into it um, that's that's just my personal preference I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong way because I've done it both and I've caught them both ways. I just feel like going into the current, I've got a little more control of the boat. I can pick things apart a little quicker without more thoroughly, I guess I should say, versus if I'm going with the current and say it's a strong current, I may go by somewhere that, you know, you pitch into it, you're going with the current, you can't really stop the boat as quick and you, you might miss a couple places. Whereas if you're going into the current, you can really pick something apart you know, once you feel like you fished it thoroughly, dial the trolling motor up, go around, get right in the next little seam and pick it apart. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, next question I'm going to go with is from Dale Jr. Uh, Dale, <laughs> Dale Jr. Jr. What up, Dale? Hey, buddy. We know you. Saw Dale last uh, two weekends ago on the uh, TW? Delaware River. Yep. Was he? 
Yeah, he nice. was uh, for the for the Five Alive tournament. Yeah, he was out there as a co. I th- he fished with our boy Craig Duran, CD? who beat me by like three ounces in that tournament. So Craig, I'm coming for you. Yeah, Craig, you got all Pete's spots. Nice yeah. Pete. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Dale Jr. You guys, you guys both did well. Yeah, yeah. Dale Jr. Awesome. wants to know uh, how were you working that fluke while you were fishing in the current? What was your retrieve? Usually it was pretty fast. I never really let it get down, get out of sight. It was um, something that I, it was constant most all the time. Uh, and I'd say it never really got more than four or five inches below the surface. Almost every bite that I got, I saw the fish visually eat it, um, you know, and knew I had one on. It, it re- wasn't really a, I felt the bite or I didn't see him eat it. And then my line started swimming off. It was, a, I saw the fish visually eat the bait um, and caught him. How long did you wait to set the hook? Great question. Pretty quick. Oh, <laughs> quick draw. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're sitting there, well, can't really say that's the case all the time, but where I was sitting at, the way they were eating it, it was so shallow. There were so many fish. They were so mm. aggressive that when they would come up and eat it, they almost all, I mean, had it choked. So wow. as soon as... I mean, if, if you could visually see one eat it, give it a half second to a second, and then I was hitting him. I mean, it was pretty quick, really fast-paced. Yeah. Were you having cool. to weight the bait at all to keep it down, just the just heavy-gauge hook? Nope, just the hook was enough. Gotcha. All right, so I, I got a question, and this is kind of my top five uh, for the day that I, I wanted I wanted to – because I had, I had this one thing I wanted to know. One, because Zach is an expert. He said he grew up fishing on rivers. He's had a lot of top finishes with when current is involved. We all know that. Um, so, Zach, if Bashu TV's taught me anything, it's that now is the time of year to be chasing current, going up rivers, chasing the backs of those creeks. I get, I'm giving you five rods this time of year. What's on the business end of those five rods? What are your top five? Uh, a flipping bait, a buzz bait, a walking style topwater bait, hmm. a frog, and a square bill. Three topwaters, everybody. The frog, the frog is kind of like a, it depends on where you're at type of deal, but lately it's been a big player for me. So, yeah, that, that should cover it. That's that's awesome. I wanted to could, peg. I, I would I would replace the frog with a spinnerbait or chatterbait top style bait if I had to substitute one. Okay. Yeah, I know you probably like more 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 than five rods, but I'm just trying to put some pressure on you. But good stuff, man. That's great. I usually have about fifteen or so out. <laughs> yeah, I know. So <laughs> does that all depend on the your water depth though, really? So if it's like a, a deeper drop or a shallower drop, like if it, let's say if it was like, you know, a four, you got a heavy stream of four and it drops down to a six, would you go still stick with the top water or would you sit there and go with something a little bit more weighted? Or is that something that you figure out during practice? Um, that's something that you'd figure out during practice, obviously. But I would say the majority of the time it's, so I tend to throw a top water a lot, especially in the fall, and I'll throw it a lot all day long, um, quite often. I feel like it generates better bites, 
and you can cover a ton of water doing it. So certain places we go, the water depth doesn't really seem to matter um, what I'll throw, but there is places we've gone where it has made a difference and it'll determine what I do. But I, yeah, so <clears throat> that honestly is one of the bigger differences between, you know, freshwater tournament fishing and redfish tournament fishing is because, you know, if we know that it's like, a drop of more than a foot to two feet, <clears throat> we're literally going to put like probably a half ounce weight on there because we're going to bounce on the bottom because we know as soon as it comes over that ledge and starts heading to the bottom, they're going to sit there and nail it. If we have it towards the top, they're not going to come up necessarily. Even if it was a foot or two, those redfish are not going to come up and bite it unless it's early in the morning. Once that sun comes up, they're not even going to come to the top. They're going to stay right down low with their eyes up. And as soon as they see that, that bait fish come drop to the bottom or drop down that little bit, that's when they're going to nail it like crazy. So that's, dude, you've taught me a whole bunch because, of course, I don't bass fish hardly at all unless I'm with this guy. But still, at the same time, it gives me a better idea because, you know, if I have a shallower drop, especially in different areas like in Louisiana or especially on the west coast of Florida, if I have a little bit shallower drop or deeper drop, I may wait, try a top water and just to see what the hell happens. Right. You know what I mean? Because if it's working on freshwater fish act pretty much the same. So I'm going to drop it though. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. You, you hit some, there's some similarities with what you said as far as not getting as many bites um, because yeah, we will get more bites in the morning, obviously early and it'll tail off, but the reason I continue to throw it throughout the day and often all day is because I know that I might not get as many bites as some people will, but I'll generally get a couple better bites. That's the reason I do it as often as I do it in the fall. But, and Tiger, the other big difference between fresh and salt is live bait, right? <laughs> Dude, I'm going to tell you this right now. <laughs> Let's be honest. Ta Taku uses live bait. <laughs> Look here. Look here. I'm gonna tell you this right now. You will never see live bait at all on my boat whatsoever. No, no seriously. So how far below the bobber do you set the minnow? Tell us. <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> please come When you come down and fish with me, I'm gonna put the daggone GoPro on. I'm gonna be playing. I'm gonna watch you do it. All right. Live bait. Using live bees like sitting there going to church and having a curse word in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not knocking it. Yeah. Just saying. Hey, Just saying. Hey, Brian hey, wants hey. to use live bait. I do. He's, he's jealous I'm, of I'm, it. I'm old and tired. Hey, Diner. At, the, at the Woods and Water Tournament, man, I was drop shotting earthworms to great success. <laughs> to great <laughs> success. Nailing them. It's crushing them. Crushing Crush them. them. And this is why we don't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey rich i know we have some ims left let me throw it back to you yeah so uh the next question i'm going to go with uh is from lance mcwarter uh forgive me if i yeah, miss, if i mispronounced your name uh but you're going to win a 50 dollars gills gear gift card for this question and his question is zach how do you think the heavy rains affect the movement of a fish in a river situation do they tend to move up and back away from the channels or stick to their normal seams i think um sometimes that's dependent on what time of the year it is um 
but I would say from what I've seen, they usually tend to move up and into um, a hard bank um, most of the time. Uh, at least from my experience, that's what I've noticed. That's what I would normally tend to go to. Uh, you know, if I'm fishing somewhere that I know is going to be, it might be high and dry one day, or I might be fishing a bank that's got four foot of water on it. And then we get a lot of rain. The next thing you know, it's four foot underwater. I'm probably going to go to the next bank that's still, you know, where the water line may be and see if those fish have moved there. Uh, at least that's going to be my initial approach. It's, it's interesting, and it's a great question because we, we've, we've gotten some intense rains, and, of course, they're raining all over the country. But when we had massive storms here on the Chesapeake and it blew chocolate mud everywhere and everybody ran from the dark water except for a few guys, a few guys ran right into it, into the billowing, you know, eddies coming out of the current because it drew bait and it drew some of the predator fish. Um, you know, so it, it rain is, uh, it just depends on the intensity, um, and, and whether it makes the water dark or keeps it clear, there's so many different things involved. It's but a it's lot a, of variables. There's a lot of, a lot variables. of variables when you're and talking about a, a current body of water. And yeah. especially if you put a tide in there too, with rain, I couldn't believe freak like, you out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, uh, we heard Biffle was running right up into the face of the current right. fishing in the dirtiest fastest water he could find in catching giants and it just is so it just lets you know that you got to open up your peripheral and uh you know look at things a little bit differently no doubt but speaking uh, of, speaking of this i want i want zach i want to invite you to go watch last i think it was two weeks ago uh the bash you live with scott dobson yep and he talks about current scenes on lake st Clair. And oh. how it positions fish and how he uses fish. Sorry, Scott. I'm sure you're probably mad at me because you're going to be <laughs> fishing against Zach in that in that derby. But I'm going to go watch that. Public <laughs> info. <laughs> but it's, guys, Bash University. It's the cheat code to the information. Pole. Yeah, it, it will. <laughs> it'll it'll like, cut, cut some corners up, for down, you. Down, left, right, A, B, start. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, and if you want a live bait fish, uh, tigers available down in the Tampa area. If he's on a boat ride, someone's available up there in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> just go for a boat ride. <laughs> you want a tour of a bunch of dolphins swimming around. Uh, that's that's that is what we do. We burn sixty gallons of gas, and and we might get a bite. Yep. Oh my god! You know, up in this part of the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Took a uh, uh, Aaron Lewis, the lead singer, stain out on the Delaware a couple weeks ago. He was in town and. I know somebody that knows them, and me and Mike took them out there. It was brutally hot, and we didn't catch it. It was terrible, man. Wow. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> you want some cheese with that wine? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I set it up for you. Relax. Uh, look, come, come, down, come down to Florida. Uh, anybody could catch them in Florida. <laughs> look, come look, catch them up here. Look, I, I challenge you to a redfish or bass competition me and you head to head oh man, oh. hours oh for man the most weight i, I don't care i smell what content is the most weight in six hours you pick the species six I'll hours six hours come on dude 
He's no, barely, he's, he can barely get his leader not tied in six hours. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Let's go. I'm talking <laughs> 16. Whoa. Brian, just, you should listen, go. Tiger, should I just it. got off the water. Take I another fished, vacation. I fished with Mike, <laughs> practiced on the St. Lawrence for four straight days from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., four straight days, six hours. Look, hey, again, you can tell by the tan line on your forehead when you take your hat off. <laughs> hey, Brian, Brian, were you actually fishing from six to nine? Yeah, yeah or graphing. We were definitely yeah, never to... sitting still looking at the sunrise. Really there's a lot of sleeping and naps for you involved. Yeah, right. You try that in Mike's boat, bud. <laughs> he's, I've been there. He's got an eye on, on all three graphs, an eye on the water, and an eye on you to make sure you're you're not sitting there with your phone out <laughs> the entire time, dude. It is it is exhausting, <laughs> but it's a good time. Yeah, the dude's still got it, man. He goes hard. Yeah, well, but, he does. Uh, speaking of speaking of which, I watched My World last night. If you haven't seen it over on CBS Sports, go check it out. It's Ike's new show. And, uh, man, he was impressive uh, going at it with Lane Johnson, the Eagles lineman, just working out with him. Great show. Just, Must I, have been the camera boat driver yeah. in that show. I'm telling you. It was, <laughs> it was a damn good one. The angles, the positions. Shout out the Riz. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But, but at, at 50 years old, I mean, he was doing pull-ups. <laughs> 50 was, years old. He was doing, uh, I mean, Gosh, he looked really good on the workout. But I, they did the uh, the Philly, 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 where they had to catch a large mouth of striped bass, a channel cat, and a snakehead. And um, and they did that. But I want to protest the the striped bass. It was it was about as big as this pencil. Ooh. So I'm not sure we can count that one. I want to file an official protest on the uh, My World Show. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good show. Yeah, it, it was yeah. it was fun to watch. I can't wait to watch the next one, uh, which is going to be coming. I can't out wait to soon. go fish in Florida with, with Tiger. I know that's right. Come yeah. on, for please six, for six hours. Let them go fishing in Florida, Zach. I'm I'm coming to kill some ducks with you. That's what. Oh, man. That's where I'm, I'm at. Ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Hey, just to let you know, though, we kill a lot of ducks in Tampa Bay. Hey, you don't I kill bet. names, man. A lot you of coots, duck lips. <laughs> Them oh, chicks with the duck lip smiles. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, Zach, I cannot wait to go duck hunting with you and watch you if it waste so many shells. Mm. Y'all keep on talking all that trash. <laughs> with or without okay. skirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either way. <laughs> either like way sounds good. Off of mine, just saying. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a different show again. But <laughs> I need a beer. Yeah. Well, uh, um, well, Zach, let me. Uh, let, where guys want to follow you on social and. Uh, Gills. Oh. Oh, Gills, Zach, you got a Gills gear bag there with you? I'm, yeah. I'm getting all kinds of information thrown at me from 15 different ways, but uh, I, Zach's got a Gills gear bag and he hasn't opened it yet. Is that what's going on over there? Is that, yes, sir. Let's look at, let, let's, yeah. ha, let's have a peek inside. I want to look inside. I was told that this would be here at noon today, but I was not allowed to open this nice. bag. Well, at least you got yours. So Ours are, ours are still I, in transit. I, you can blame the shipping company. <laughs> That's right. We blame the shipping company for a lot. <laughs> yes. 
allowed to open it now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Blame right. Darren Brooks. And, yeah. It's Darren's fault. Yeah. You can never have a, you know, you can never have a signature required. It always falters the overnight delivery every time. Dude, I'm going to tell you this right now. I told that son of a brick that I said no signature required. <laughs> we believe you, bud. That's not past that phone call he had with the shipping company. I was waiting. <laughs> what you got there, Bubba? All right, so here's a cup. Yes. Here's a cup. <laughs> Does that bash you on it? No, I don't know. This is a red one. That's a Gills one. Might have I made the cat. bash you one special. We love it. We love it, Tiger. I can't wait to get my BTC cup. If you win the Florida Derby, maybe you will. Yes. Looks like Pro Series Full Dip Storm Fleece. Hell yeah. Nice. Yep. That's the new well, another one of the new storm fleeces. I got I know you're gonna need that when you go up to Detroit. God. Oh, I can't wait to go back north. I'm already dying at home from the heat. Uh, it's still hot up here, man. After this hurricane goes through, it's I think we're gonna see some fall weather finally. Yeah, it was a hundred it was like a hundred here today. I'm over it. I've been here like four days and I already can't wait to leave. I believe that's the tournament hoodie, right? Or the packable? This is tournament pants. Pants? It's the lightweight jacket. Oh, hell yeah. The lightweight rain. That's the new lightweight rain jacket. This is the one I tried on, right? Yeah. 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 That's the light that's the lighter weight one, not the new not the foul weather one, because the foul right. weather one we're rolling out in a couple more weeks. That's the one Tiger's going to – we did a TikTok video that's going to show up. He folded it up in uh, in about 10 seconds. All right, let's see. This is tournament series UV shirt. Ooh, Ooh I like that. Nice pattern. Yeah, keeping it fresh, but at the same time, you notice that with that one, you, you feel a little bit different thickness in that shirt compared to the, the summer and springtime shirts. It felt more thin. <clears throat> yep, it's a little bit different, but at the same time, it, the biggest part of it is that it's windproof. That it really helps block out some of that cold wind that blows through. Gotcha. Got a bunch of stuff shoved in this small bag. <laughs> so live Somebody's... bait or no live bait, Tiger? Hey, in the tournament. <laughs> I'm good either way. Hey, you know, tomato, tomato. That's, That's right. the new one, the new tournament hoodie in tournament. black. That's yep. sharp. Yeah. That's sleek right there. It's clean. Shut up, Phil. Sleek. Yep. It's anti Brian. <laughs> there we go. Because it's clean. A rivalry yeah, is born. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with minnows, man. <laughs> Here's what. <clears throat> oh, I like that. Uh, I like that one too. Yep. Pull, pull that sleeve out a little bit, Zach. The sleeve, because it shows a different. Because we, we did the solid color in the middle, but on the outside, on the sleeve and the shoulders and on the hood. Nice. We changed it with a little bit different pattern. It's every mid-30s chick with a arm sleeve. <laughs> well, again, 
So many things I want to say. No, I don't say I don't like it. I love it, dude. I wish I had mine right now. I'm just talking about your mid-30s chick. <laughs> I ain't got none of them. Uh, that's the uh, navy blue one. She used to be. Ooh, I like that one, man. It's got yeah. same got different design. Oh, that would be perfect. Oh, yeah. I like that bended, bended shoulder and sleeve yeah. to it. Nice. Yep. I mean, those, those are the perfect ones that sit there and pair up with, like, the uh, – the storm fleece full zip because again when you have that storm fleece on you may get a little bit hotter but the good part is is that when you have that bended hoodie on or even the bended shirt <clears throat> you still won't you sit there and feel like you're blistering hot because it'll still pull that moisture away from your body spread it out all along the entire fabric and that way it still keep you cool but at the same time keep you warm because you're not going to be sweating and then all of a sudden freezing right right you still digging in that bag, Zach? I still got a quarter of it left. Oh man! I th I I I protest. I think Zach might have got a bigger bag I'm than count, JK. I'm counting the items. <laughs> those, those are the new tournament pants, like uh, Justin had Heck here. Yeah. Those are going to be extremely comfortable. Put them on. And, and Zach, when you get a chance, if you could, dude, literally post out like a message about them, how you really like them. Okay. And then if there's any feedback you have, please do not hesitate to let me know because I've had them on. I tried them out, like, even in August. <clears throat> they were phenomenal, even in hotter weather. Yeah. Want to see what's going on? No. Want <laughs> <laughs> to see what's All in right. that bag? Black version. Yep. Those are our actual – those are the new packable um, – or uh, water or rain pants that we have. So if like with you, just <clears throat> Zach, I know you wear a large pant. So at least those are large, but they're at, they're actually a size bigger. So that way you can wear them over your pants and shorts and not sit there and have to worry about being so tight. They're still extremely loose. That way when you're rolling through like hard weather, going full blast with the boat or even out sitting there and casting wise, it's not going to be clung and tight to you. You're still going to have a lot of that movement. That way you can still be extremely flexible in everything that you do. Right. And free swinging. Exactly. Yeah. You know what free I mean? swing. You know what I mean, I keep it swinging. <laughs> swinging. Well, speaking guys, of, <laughs> I, I, speaking of, we got more, you got another pair of pants. Oh my got? God. That's three. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Well, what, you know, check it. Check out Zach. I know you're going to be posting this stuff. Zach, where if they want to follow you on social media, where can they do it? Um, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Zach Birch Fishing on Facebook, um, Instagram, Zach Birch Fishing, uh, YouTube, Zach Birch Fishing. I'm on all of them. It's me personally responding to everything. So you don't have, you know, random, random, you never know who you're talking to. It'll be me. So feel free to ask me anything, follow us, have a good time with us. Awesome. Well, it, it, we love all the, the gills get gear. The bag is empty. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and thanks so much, Tiger. It's amazing gifts. And, uh, you know, we, you know, this is going to be your your opportunity, Tiger, because BTC just fished a major derby up on the St. Lawrence River. 
And, um, you know, I, I, I think this is an opportunity for you guys to exchange about how things went. You know, if if he could if if he used live bait, how much better things could have went, <laughs> dude. You I know? tried. <laughs> I tried. I uh, I mean, let me. First of all, this is my first introduction to an actual goby. Them uh, things are freaking adorable, man. I uh, they're they're like they're spineless. They're they're like they're like the little gremlins from the from yeah. that movie back in the eighties. Yeah, they look like little gremlins. Yes, they do. You say that. Yep. He said adorable. They are, man. They're so squishy and adorable. I'm like, Mike, we got we to take these home. You know what I mean? Yep. Jersey could use some of these. But, um, you tell me I didn't take them home, put them in, in Lake X? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things are amazing. They are. They're so cute. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I drop shot. I mean, sometimes you catch them, they're four, five, six inches. I tried drop shotting them. They didn't, they didn't bite it, so. My bait was overrated. Max sent out performing. Um, <laughs> out performed like goby. It kills me because, you know, Brian reminds me of that little kid sitting on the front of the boat with a little styrofoam cup full of daggone earthworms sitting in there. That's where I started. Up, sitting there going, oh, my God, look at him. He's so sprinkly. He has to get daddy, which is Mr. Iconelli, sit there and hook his worm for him the whole nine yards. <laughs> did, <laughs> did, Ike, did you make Ike retire your leaders? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm thinking you may put the damn worm on the hook, though. But but sometimes when you when you're I mean you know when you're you just went through your sixth liter of the day you know what we're gonna drag a Carolina rig for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes you know what I've reached my limit on snag and drop shot weights today. Okay, so here's my big takeaway from from fishing that event. We practiced for four straight days and then and then the event came around. Co anglers, I, I implore you and anybody really. You practice with lead, then you fish a tournament with tungsten if you really feel you need to. Because at the end of four days, I did not need to go out there and snag any more damn tungsten weights. <laughs> Jeez, that got stressful, man. Two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. Oh, two dollars. Hell with that. And I got another observation. So my day one partner, um, he was he, his home body waters the Detroit River. So he's a smallmouth guy. He was drop shotting with. Uh, steel. Now you remember steel weights, they're bigger than lead. They're like twice the size of lead. Mm -hmm. And guess who was getting snagged a whole hell of a lot less? The bigger bait. The guy the with weight. the big weight yeah. not getting, you know, caught up in all yeah. the zebra masal. Right. Because wow. you were drifting. And when you're drifting, I mean, you are victimized by getting snagged. Uh, I could tell you every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got names for them. Were yeah. you? Using the same size, with the same size weight between lead and steel, though the same tungsten, lead, steel. I mean, steel. It was. It was. What about the later length? So, like, I mean, Zach can attest to this. When you're shooting, like, especially for ducks, it, one you can't shoot for lead, but lead travels a hell of a lot faster <clears throat> in a shot. But when you shoot steel, steel is so much more heavier that it drops quicker. So is that the same thing when it comes to fishing? Like if you're using a lead weight compared to a, a steel weight or, or, um, lead's a lot, lead's a lot heavier than steel. And then tungsten's heavier than lead. Tungsten's heavier. But than the more same dense. weight, but for the same weight though, because that steel yield is going to be bigger. So therefore with all those rights and crevices, it's not going to get hung it's up. It's less apt to get <laughs> snagged. And therefore. Yeah, it's not going to get snagged. BTC, I want to know what the shape cylindrical teardrop or ball 
for your your guy who was drop shot and steal. He was using pyramid. It was uh, close. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was it was kind of more like a bell. Yeah. Okay. Teardrop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of like a teardrop. Yep. Yeah. But okay. exactly. When you asked about the leader length, were you asking about was he using a different leader length for lead to steel or just Yeah, I was more I was more curious about his leader length being he had a bigger weight, if that made a difference or not. It was it was about the same as what I was rolling with, which was twelve to sixteen. Gotcha. Yeah. Didn't seem to make a difference at all. No, I mean I caught him maybe a little bit better, but I mean, I'm mm. fucking BTC, bro. It's, no, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm BTC. <laughs> but so you got introduced to drifting, and that that was you were fishing in major current. And one of the things that we talked about was guys were measuring the speed of their drift. That's it, JK. Yes. In this. Yeah, I was wondering. I, I know you're not from you know up that area, Zach. But I mean, how much do you get dialed into the speed of the drift and and things like that? Oh, I don't. I suck at that. That's why I throw a crankbait. Yeah, Mike too. <laughs> I mean, not, he doesn't suck at it, but he doesn't pay attention to it. I mean, I'm not. He's yeah, on his I'm, graph. I'm not, I'm not terrible at it, but I pay more attention to other things. Yeah, yeah. Because some guys they get out in an area and just just drift a, a shoal or, or yeah. whatever. I don't, I don't have the patience for that. I can't do it. Yeah, same same with Mike. He was keying in on like real specific stuff. Yeah, if I can figure, if I can find like something off the wall or or a particular couple boulders that have one i'll drift those boulders or that particular small part of that shoal i'll right. do it and do it do it yep. but i can't just meander and drift and drift and drift and hope that in a certain part of it i get two or three bites real quick i just don't have the patience for that yep and that i i think that's a lot about what the the guys that are measuring their miles an hour drifts are doing is they are they're covering massive areas uh, versus guys that are targeting pinpoint habitat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The it's, technology is yeah. such you can tell exactly where they are and aren't for the most part mm -hmm. right now. There's times where they get so tight to the bottom that you ain't seeing them, right? There, it's no hard, doubt. It's hard to see them up there. Say again? Really, it's really hard to see them up there. Yeah. But when I was up there last, I, that's the reason I. I mean, I didn't see any of the fish in the places I was fishing until I threw a crankbait bomb and saw four or five come up off the bottom and eat it on active target. I mean, I, I didn't wouldn't even have known they were there until right. I saw them come up and chase my crankbait and run yeah. it down. And some would eat it, some wouldn't, but I'd know that there was multiple fish there. Oh, yeah. And I'd come back and make another pass through it with something else or just make another pass with the crankbait and then I'd get one to bite. Yeah. They, yeah. Can't hide, okay. they can't hide from the aqua view. That's a cool thing, too. I was dying to use it, but I didn't even bother. Yep. Mike never sat still long enough for that thing to get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's, here's a fascinating thing that applies to all these bodies of water. This is, this is, is crazy, but the zebra mussels are going away. Really? Wake yeah. up. It's happening. You can see it on the beaches. The zebra mussel shells are white, and they're everywhere. The rocks that used to be coated with them, uh all over are now just here and there same things happening at champlain i don't know uh i don't know what the answer is but i just was up a thousand islands and i saw it with my own eyes 
and I interviewed um, a guy that scuba dives, but the zebra mussels are going away. Now, his theory was that the gobies are eating the zebra mussels, uh, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory. But uh, mm. there's something going on with the zebras because they're starting. Well, everything's cyclic. I guess they, they used what, the, what yeah. they were surviving off of or thriving off of. So. Something what, what, what did gobies eat, Pete? You know, I don't know the answer to that, but they don't have crunchers. They don't have a mouth that can crunch a, a muscle. So well, up to 60. This, this, this uh, Google search says round gobies are voracious eaters. Up to 60% of their diet is made up of mussels in some places. Wow. Does that mean no, in the Great Lakes, they prey on zebra mussels? There it is. So wow. maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that is why. Don't feed them Google, after dark. Bro, just Google. Not Bashu TV. Google. So the zebra mussels yeah. go away. In turn, the gobies will also start to go away. You're right. In well, 40% of their diet on something else, they just might not be as packed with protein. Well, we know that they swarm the, the bass nests and they eat the eggs. They eat everything in sight. Anything that goes on the bottom, they eat. Um, yeah. You know, I thought, you know, I thought that that was just a far statement that, that I heard this week. I think but I might be a goby. Maybe not. Eat everything maybe in sight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was very interested in that after you brought that up. I'm going <clears> to <throat> look some more. Brian's going to be out there with a rake trying to find up as as, as many zebra mussels as he can. I think they're delicious. In a garlic and butter sauce. I don't care. <laughs> with a linguine. That's right. Um, so in 15 years, the St. Lawrence will be one on largemouth again? Wow, it's it's all cyclical, like you said. But the zebras were around for 20 years or more, and they cleaned up the water, and uh, the gobies exploded. The bass got huge. You, you, you're right. There's got to be some kind of aftermath yep. that's going to be happening next. Hey, Zach, did you know we, we learned this, was it last show or the one before, two weeks ago, that Pete actually predates the gobies? <laughs> yeah. He's pre-goby he's pre, he's pre Pete. I am pre Gobi Pete. <laughs> dude, dude, we were we were fishing bass smallmouth up a thousand islands that were feeding on emerald shiners and perch. That was that was the deal. That's what they used to feed on. Yep. And uh using oars. Yeah. <laughs> Com a compass and a sail. Yeah. But <laughs> that's 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 what we used to do. And um you know, but now, you know, it's it's the gobies came in, the bass, <laughs> the smallmouth got huge. I remember the largemouth would win every tournament on Thousand Islands. Mm -hmm. Was it a lack of knowledge of how to fish for smallmouth? Nah. Or was it that the largemouth no, were bigger? There's so many smallmouth there right now. It's, it's, yeah. It's, Is it's, the bubble going to burst, Brian? That's oh what you're my saying. God. You're saying that the, the zebras are going. The zebras the, are going. The zebras are going. The zebras are going. The gobies what, will follow. What's going to happen next? And uh, snakeheads. Let's 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 uh, bring some milfoil and snakeheads. Something else from China miles. will come over and take its place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Zach, I don't know if this is like a secret question, but <clears throat> what is your go-to colors when you're sitting there fishing that that current water? Like, what is like? It, does it depend on the water clarity itself, or is there a color that you know that you're confident in? That if you throw, no matter if it's a hard, if it's a plastic, whatever, that you know you're going to get whacked on. 
a lot of it depends on watercolor. Um, that's the first variable, but I, I, I would try to stay as natural as possible personally. Um, but a lot depends on watercolor. I mean, I, a lot of things with colors and plastics and stuff, I, I feel like people take it too far. I feel like some companies make colors, throw colors together and variations of different things that is more, more to catch the eye and to sell product versus if you narrow it down and keep it simple, there's, I mean, there's only so many variations of crawfish or brim or shad that you're chasing. So, you know, I, I don't feel like there's every color in the rainbow that needs to be thrown into various different colors. If you just keep it simple, I feel like you're better. That's All right. So if I was a, a artificial lore manufacturer and I said, Zach, I need a color for muddy water and I need a color for, for clear water. What would they be? It'd be uh, black and blue, black neon, green pumpkin, watermelon, and maybe a variation of red or orange in a couple of those. That's that's what I try to stick with. No whites at all? I mean, the only time I use white is if I'm bed fishing and I'm really struggling to see something, I'll use it. Um, or like throwing a dart or something like that uh, for schooling fish. But that's that's shad related, bait fish related. That's, you know, there's reasons to, to do that. Um, that's about it. I throw a methylate color trick worm some um certain places times of the year um that's really as wild as it gets for me makes a lot of sense so basically dark water stick to dark colors lighter water stick to lighter colors and basically right if it's cleaner i'll just stick more natural gotcha yeah. cleaner gets more natural i'll try to stay tiger, so tiger stick to live bait <laughs> <laughs> you see your little bloodworms, little boy. <laughs> Zach, hey, you know, so what have we learned? We've learned that the gobies are eating zebras that um, apparently that, you know, the Scott Dobson video is a must watch because it shows you the seams. Whenever possible, use live bait. And, Absolutely, uh, I'm in. It's been a great, it's been, a, it's been a great night. And, and Zach, Zach, we're gonna let you go, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us and all our goofing around. We learned a lot from you, and we're all gonna be watching up at Lake St. Clair, buddy. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, thank y'all for having me again, Tiger. Thanks for everything. Thanks for the package. Look forward yes, to working with you, and good things to come. Yeah. Absolutely, buddy. And good luck this coming week, dude. I, I greatly appreciate all your support and everything. So keep at it, dude. Just keep fishing hard as you're doing, dude. You're doing a great job. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thank y'all. All right. Zach Burge, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that was great. <laughs> uh, we're getting into quite a ball-busting session over here, but it's fun. <laughs> it's good stuff. And, uh, I might have to uh, I might have to do a mashup of the cut where Brian says he wants to use live bait with Ken Duke, <laughs> and then pair that with the uh, with the smash session that these just guys just got into. <laughs> uh, I like I, I got no problem admitting it, dude. Yeah. Um, you I, if I remember correctly, you said like 
live bait, a bimini top, yes. and a cool drink. Like <laughs> live bait, a bimini top, cool and drink, and a comfy chair. Yeah, dude, I got and like. It's got to be shirtless. No skirt. No, no skirt. <laughs> the skirt. The skirt. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Even better. Take right? the skirt off. Could you imagine if you got a goby, you hooked it with like a five aught flipping hook, and you put a punch skirt on that son of a gun with a one ounce weight? <laughs> Bombing that thing through some mats? Come on. <laughs> Dude, you ever look in their face? They got such sad eyes, man. Uh, yeah, because they know they're going to get eaten by a five-pound smallmouth. Their whole existence is to get eaten. How much would it cost you, though? $5, four ninety nine, but... For for what? Uh, a goby? <laughs> no, for your skirtless bait. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But speaking About of this, that. This, this, the skirtless chatterbait, I... I I or I, as soon as you started talking about that, I I found them on Tackle Warehouse. So they're they're already <laughs> they're in sitting the in this cart. Yeah, and oh, guys, yeah. if you're on the Bash U message board, I shared a uh, a Tackle Warehouse wish list for you guys over there. So if you're interested in that chatterbait, it's on the message board. Just copy and paste that into your browser. Yep. Gobies, you yep. got some gobies yeah, on there and, and live minnows. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, all, all Tackle Warehouse, list. if you're listening, start selling live bait. <laughs> start selling gobies. <laughs> Just uh, you know, uh, dry ice, ship it out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we have a tri- we have a trivia question tonight. Are, yeah. are we ready to ask the trivia question? Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're ready to roll that out. Um, the trivia question, guys, and we need, as always, we need details, okay? What was Zach's setup for the bait that he used at the Mississippi River? We're looking for line, line size, hook, hook size, and bait, okay? Line, line size, hook, hook size, and the bait, okay? What was Zach's setup that he used on the Mississippi River? Were you taking notes? And I need it all in one message, guys. Don't send me six <laughs> different messages with each component. Give it to me in one message. I had two teachers in all my classes in high school. Come on, make it easy for me. <laughs> That's great. Uh, see, I already see. I already see one coming through. It's 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 all broken up. It's all broken. I can't up. follow it. Hey, that was a great that was a great segment though. J.K. in particular, because you and I have talked about the pop need the rivet, hook type too, guys. The treble need the hook, hook type. versus this. Uh, this braided line, uh, direct tie, man, it's like you just gotta you gotta measure your strike to catch in every situation, and you gotta make the adjustment. I think what the biggest thing that I've learned is there's another adjustment. You know, boom, we got a winner. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing to pull out of that is the behavior, how the fish are eating the bait, or where are they coming from to get it. You know, I really think that matters and call me really too analytical or not. But like, I, I really think that matters with, especially with, with that fluke thing, but. Maybe, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not disagreeable, but uh, it's, it's like we had small mouth versus large mouth, Mm -hmm. you know, current based situations, Mm -hmm. Uh, man, there's so many variables to account for. I love the 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 exposed treble hook because it's got to be a better hookup ratio. But how can you argue with the fact that he stuck every single one? Man, it's that's an amazing strike to catch ratio. And um, I'm going to throw it over to you, Riz, for for yeah. the winner. Yeah, we we have a winner. It was Bassmaster 2K2, and the combination is 
15-pound braid with a fluke and a 5-aught EWG hook. All right. All right. <laughs> did, did I miss something there? Was it a fluke? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, it was a fluke-style bait. <laughs> that it was a fluke-style bait. Yeah. It was not a fluke. It was a it was a fluke style bait, fluke but it wasn't a fluke. All right. <laughs> so I got a question for you, bunch of freshwater boys. <clears throat> what do you think the most versatile bait, artificial wise, that is used for both bass, largemouth, smallmouth, and saltwater between trout, redfish, and snook is the most versatile bait, color and type. Hmm. I man, I, I gotta so, go. I gotta go with the fluke style bait in in some type of white or or, or white pattern. That's what I see everybody throwing. Tiger, run that by one more time. With the species, <clears throat> the most versatile. But literally, if you want to go, like you guys up north, you guys want to go to the Delaware River. What bait are you going to throw in the river? Then turn around and go out to. Let's say if you go down to Lewis, Delaware, and you're fishing the haystacks and whatever for either flounder or trout, or if you're coming down to Florida yeah. and throwing for red and snook. I'm changing what, my answer. Bait? I'm changing my answer. My 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 answer is now it, it's going to be a it's going to be a swim bait. It's going to be a boot tail style swim bait of some variety. You know, relatively you know four four and a half inch kind of variety that's going to get you through both scenarios that's my choice what color uh well i mean if i had to pick a color it's going to be a shad style color you know uh, a, a white um a white-ish you know silhouette you know some translucency it depends on the water color if i had to pick a color white ish ish Yep. <laughs> well, I will tell you guys this. I've caught largemouth, smallmouth, trout, snook, reds, and flounder on the chatterbait with a pearl white four inch diesel. <clears throat> and you know how you have the uh the um there's a special dye. <clears throat> the it's more like a yellow compared to maybe a red. You can actually mix them. There's a special dye you can dip the tail into that actually has like a little garlic scent to it. Oh, yeah. It's truly that garlic scent. If you look at any aquarium uh, booklet out there or even go online, garlic actually triggers all fish feeding frenzy. So if you have if you start an aquarium and they're not eating because they're new to it, if you put like a little bit of garlic, it causes a feeding frenzy. So this special dye that we're able to use is I'll use a pearl white, I'll dip it into the chartreuse, and then I'll dip it into the red, let it dry, and chunk it out on a uh, chatterbait, and I've caught all species on that one lure alone. And that's just from me, but that's the one that's always worked. Like, it's always tied to any rod that I put on the boat. What's a, anywhere I what's a diesel minnow? Does that have a Z-man? Is it a boot? Is it a boot tail or a boot tail? Boot. Boot. It, it is unbelievable because I don't sit there and do a steady retrieve. It's <clears throat> you retrieve a little bit, a little bit of pop, pop, but in, yeah. you don't let that line go slack. That's you let the it sit there, boom. Yep. Oh, and oh, wow, every wow, gosh wow. darn time where I've fished 
the muddiest water you could possibly think of there in Louisiana for redfish. I fished some of the cleanest water you could possibly think of there in, you know, um, Stanahatchee, uh, Crystal River to up there in the Delaware uh, River in the Delaware Bay. <clears throat> that bait has worked for me every single time I've gone to any location to fish whatever species. That's my one go-to bait. You have fished that the Delaware Bay? Dude, I, my baby brother lives there in Laurel. Get out of here. Yep, my brother is a flock manager for Purdue. So I go up to Delaware quite often to go visit him. To either we're going to hunt or we're going to go fish either over in the Chesapeake or we'll run over to the Delaware Bay or we'll run up to the Delaware River. You ain't running the Delaware River. <laughs> oh, let's think about it. Come on. Delaware you got the Chesapeake there and you're going to come to the Delaware? Knock it off. <laughs> Delaware's brutal. <laughs> I've I've literally fished them all with my baby brother, yeah. and every time we go, we both have it tied up. Where he may throw like a purple with a chartreuse tail, but I always stick to my white with a chartreuse tail with a dip into a little bit like a it's a little red, so it causes it to be like a little bit purplish. Yeah, <laughs> but it's worked every time. But I literally believe that it's that little bit of garlic scent on it that causes them to go absolutely crazy on every single time that I've gone fishing. How what what, what how heavy is that chatterbait? That oh, salt a quarter, water? right? <clears throat> I I throw a quarter. Quarter? Yeah. Quarter. A quarter. I throw a quarter where it's got so they call it either the redfish eye or you have the trout eye um jig head on it. Uh it's usually like a a, a probably a four, maybe a five aught uh hook when you sit there four inch throwing it out there and it's literally not a steady retrieve but you're doing a little bit pop pop a little bit pop pop and every time i've always caught every species that was in that area on that bait is my always go-to bait uh, right on no and i, 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 I bet you like a, i think a chatter bait's extremely versatile bait no doubt yep no you doubt. had the little swim bait boot tail yep. I, I i could see that you for know? sure for sure yep and this is what the crazy part is I've even caught uh, tuna and mahi on the same bait offshore. You caught tuna That's on crazy. that bait? Yep, tuna on that bait. Because you got to yeah. think, when we're out there chumming, chumming it's, it's like between <laughs> three and four inch pilchers, we're sitting there chumming them out there. You throw that artificial out, give it the same action when you're chunking it as far as you can, reel it in with a little pop, pop, let it sink a little bit, reel it, pop, pop, let it sink, and drilled every gosh darn time either it's going to be a tuna or a mahi on what? all of it Black literally caught every fish you can think of <clears throat> sport fishing wise on that bait blackfin uh, yep blackfins yeah yeah i've, I've caught them reeling a, a, a shit <laughs> a spoon straight in a spoon that's oh. just basically a, a, a knife it's like a slab of steel that you jig off the bottom what were you gonna what yep. did you say silver body was that your bait? No, no. I'm just uh, talking about the black fins. Because that was going to be my bait to be able to catch fish on it, catch fish in, in all three scenarios. That's you said good, I'm, I'm going to use choice. This, I'm going to use a silver buddy because I know I can catch a bass on it. I know. And what was the other? You said striper, weak fish, flounder. I'm pretty yeah. sure I can make a flounder bite it if I get in front of him and I snap it hard enough. He's going to react to it. Probably make yeah. a redfish eat it too oh. if they're on the bottom and they, you know, they want to feed off the bottom. I snap that thing up, or I'll just snag them because it's got treble. Hooks That's on, right. So. J.K., what do you got? Oh, spoon, spoon, gold spoon catches everything. There you go. Saltwater. 
But believe it or Rooster not, tail. it's not Rooster Tail too. Yeah, yeah, Rooster Tails are good. But believe it or not, it's not the treble hooks. It's usually a straight J hook. Okay. Tre- treble hooks, like especially in saltwater wise, for some reason, like redfish cannot stand a treble hook. But at the same time, where you're casting, you're gonna get hung up on grass, you're gonna get hung up on oyster bars. <clears throat> no matter if you even if you're offshore and you've got grass around, especially when you're fishing for Mahi. That treble hook's going to hook that grass every time. So you go with a nice weedless uh, uh, J hook is perfect, especially when you're on that chatterbait. You know, that chatterbait kind of keeps that grass away, especially the way you move it. <clears throat> it's not going to get hung up in all the grass. I'm going, I'm going live Goby. <laughs> uh, you're going with live earthworm. I'm going yeah, live Goby. Dude, Dude, yeah, you got a drop shot. You got to thread the zebra muscles on a drop shot. One, number one hook. <laughs> And uh, you get the goby to bite that, and then you just hang on until Dude, the I smallmouth did. bites the goby. I dropped the goby. <laughs> <laughs> I did until he gave up. And then, <laughs> I, then I dropped another one and another. And it's like, all right, dropping uh, gobies ain't working. I <laughs> uh, love it. I was hoping to catch a, a pike or muskie or something. You know? uh, they, dude, the muskies. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. We had a, we had a uh, at the house we stayed at, the guy called a 30-pound muskie. Uh, and it was a, a fiberglass duplicate re- replica on the walls. Pretty awesome. And we went into the Thousand Islands bait shop, and we saw muskies like in the 50-pound range. Yeah. Amazing, amazing fish. But, um, hey, we've got a Facebook like and share uh, contest that's going on. This is your last chance. Riz is about to give away the prize. Mm-hmm. For our Facebook like and share winner. So you haven't done it, do it right now. You got like what, ten seconds? Yeah, you got ten seconds, thirty seconds, a minute. I'm just I'm getting things set up here to uh to I, w- get I want to thank Tiger for, for for coming on tonight, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it dude, was a it was, blast. Yeah, it was a blast. You're a Good blast, to hang with buddy. You. And and I look forward to, to catching up and hopefully I can get down there and fish with you soon. Dude, absolutely. I greatly appreciate you guys. You know, we have a great relationship. I love building our relationship. It's going a long way. You guys have done a lot for us, especially in the freshwater game. Uh, you guys actually inspired us to do a lot of different things, especially color-wise, different pattern-wise on it. So we greatly appreciate you guys' input. And I encourage you guys, you know, if you guys go out, especially the ones that win the gift card, you buy our gear. If there's something you don't like about it, shoot me an email. It's simple. It's tiger at gills-gear.com if there's something you'd like to see or something you don't like let me know about it because we love more information try to better our product to sit there and suit you guys for every type of fishing that you guys do we really really truly appreciate this relationship you know i've built a great relationship with you guys with justin and everybody it's been a phenomenal i can't wait to look forward to spring and next year because spring is really going to be Spring is setting a true new tone for gills. That's that's a fact. Our new lineup that we've got coming out is, you know, we have a lot of the saltwater type colors, saltwater type patterns, but at the same time, we've got the freshwater where it's a lot of the solids, a lot of the different neutral colors and everything that people are more comfortable with. And, you know, Pete, we're helping you out because we redesigned our whole <laughs> shirt. 
you know, we got our grandpa's shirt out ready to rock and roll. <laughs> well, not ev- not everybody can be as handsome of a grandpa as me. <laughs> you ain't lying, but I'm going to tell you right now, Pete in that shirt looks like I want to be Hugh Hefner, for God's sake. <laughs> I was just thinking of, of a, like a robe. I didn't know if you guys you. were coming out with a robe uh, and I, slippers. <laughs> I want to put the new Free Gills logo on the daggone pipe and say, here you go, Bubba. Have that <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, no, dude, it's been skirt, awesome. I skirt, love, oh. Skirts are optional. Skirts are optional. Yeah. Skirts optional. <laughs> Leave the no, skirt at home. I love coming on the show with you guys because, you know, every time I come on, it's an absolute blast. We all get along. We're all professional anglers at some point. I mean, Brian, I, I quote yours, professional. Yes. <laughs> you know, hey. God. Professional live, basically. That's right. Professional goby drowner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just make plays, folks. I just make plays. You know, I couldn't ask for anything more from you guys. You guys are awesome. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, awesome. We feel Thanks, the same man. way, buddy. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And uh, Riz, give us the winner. That's right. Tonight's okay. Facebook like and share winner is Warren Beard. From Massachusetts, congratulations, Warren Beard. Warren. You won tonight's Facebook like and share. Thank yes. you for supporting the Bash University Live. That's right. Excellent. I want to thank hey. my partners from the St. Lawrence last week, the Bash U subscriber. Yes. Nice. And there the guy go. that don't have the internet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that wants to subscribe, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. we can't, we can't uh, hurt them for that. We'll but invent Nathan, the internet. Nathan Troyanak or yep. something like that. Yeah, awesome. Sure. All right. It was a blast. We had a good time. Yeah, it was a great show. Uh, you know, I want to thank everybody oh. for participating. What do we got? We got we got one more to uh we got one more awesome prize that we got to give away. I forgot okay. I picked this be before we got too far into it. Our Empire Covers <gasps> winner. Oh, yeah. We got to announce the winner of our Empire Covers contest Justin, tonight. Justin, sing the jingle. Empire <laughs> Covers, we got you covered Come on. forever. Come on, JK. Let's hear it. Folks at home, protect your investment with Empire Covers. Thank you to everybody who participated in the contest. But with no further ado, the winner is Nick Epler. Nick ID Epler. Outdoors won on the Instagram side of things. Thank you for your, for your yes. participation, guys. And if you haven't checked them out yet, please go check out EmpireCovers.com. It's an affordable way to protect your investment. They got you from boats to cars to grills to patio furniture. Whatever it is, Empire Covers has your back. Congratulations, Nick Epler. You're the winner of the Empire Covers contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Oh. Empire Covers dot or Empire dot covers dot com. Yes. <laughs> and use code BASHU21 to save at checkout. 150,000% off. Yep. Hey, hey, thanks everybody for watching. It was great. Tiger, thank you so much for being part of Bash University. We really appreciate you. We we honestly, we love the gear. We love wearing it. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, we look forward. Next time, you come to Delaware Bay, you better call us. And uh, we're all coming to Florida. And um, wish you the best. Come on. Go ahead. Come on down. I invite all you guys to come on down. Just give me a call and let me know. Because <clears throat> I'll put the boat in the water and let's roll. All yes. right. That way sit there and show Brian how to not use an yeah. artificial bait to catch a fish. We will we will bring the gobies. That's right. And we're on our <laughs> way. A shout out to uh Alex Neher over there running the YouTubes for us. Alex. Yes. Shout out to Alex. Every show we end and I say, damn it, I yeah. forgot to shout out Alex. 
uh, Alex, we appreciate you. I got it for, in this very, time. Very much, and uh, appreciate you being part of Bash University. JK, thank you, and uh, it's great to ha hang out oh. with you. And I got another finger. What else we got? Happy birthday, somebody. Happy birthday to Tiger. Yeah, happy oh, birthday. Oh, my goodness. Happy, happy birthday, right. brother. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. And we can sing <laughs> happy birthday to him. That's right. Uh, 44 years young tomorrow. Right. JK, you oh, want to lead us in a happy round of happy birthday on our way out? Or no, no, but I'll share this picture. We we celebrated, and he got, he got sang to earlier. That's yeah, beautiful. Awesome. That was so awesome. I love that that, <laughs> that tiger cake. cookie cake. That's a happy. Yeah, one. Buddy. It was delicious. <laughs> Me and the kids had a blast. The next thing you know, the kids are sitting there running all over the place like a dag <clears throat> like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, made <laughs> tough on Catherine for sure. <laughs> like a goby looking for a zebra mussel. <laughs> 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 Look at you, well, Pete. Look hey, at you. On fire. You know, we're closing it up strong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to let you guys go. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll be right. Hey, next week, we're oh. going to be back from live from the open mm. on Thousand Islands. So right. look for that. Okay. Bash University Live next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Tiger, thank you so much. JK, Riz, BTC, thank you guys. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week.